Morning, brothers and sisters. It's a pleasure to be out this morning. For those of you who have your Bibles and would like to follow along, uh, the scripture reading this morning will be taken from 1 John 2, chapter 12 through 14. And it comments, I write unto you, little children, because your sin are forgiven you for his name's sakes. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the world a wicked one. Here in the reading of God's word, let us all say, Amen. Good morning, church. All right. It's good to see everyone here, and it's also very encouraging to know that there's a lot more people that are joining us for this worship uh, assembly at the, in the comfort of their homes. So thank you for all the encouragement that that brings to each and every one of us. Um, it's good to see our children. There's a lot of children in, in, the, in the auditorium right now. And it's good to see that they're growing, right? Like, uh, it's just amazing how I have three children of my own. And it's amazing to see them smash through their growth milestones. You know, they're crawling and then all of a sudden they're walking, they're running around, their appearance is changing, their voice is changing, they're, they have different clothes on, they, they have different tastes. It's amazing. But Linda and I, and we were just talking about this the other day, for us, one of the best milestones for our kids is when they, they, they became potty trained. I love that because before they got potty trained, we would always ask, when are they going to be potty trained? And when it happened, we still, we still think about it now. It's just so good because you save time, you save money, no more diapers. But you know, that didn't happen overnight, right? They have to be trained to do that. You know, you start with uh, potty trainers and they're very particular with their potty trainers, right? They want to make sure that there's a chase and, you know, Paw Patrol in there instead of Avengers. You know what I'm saying? So they do that and they get used to the, the actual toilet. But then, you know, you have to comfort them. So they need you inside the toilet when they go. You know what I'm saying? And then when they, when they need to go, they go, Mom, Dad, I got to go. And then you go with them. And then there's a point when they go, um, Dad, Mom, can you please go out because I need to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, and they were like, "Yeah, that's great, thanks." And then all of a sudden, they don't announce it anymore. They they just go. So where's Jacob? Where's they, they just they're just going. Great, but the the best part is when they would transfer their knowledge and wisdom to their younger siblings on how to go to the potty themselves. Right? I actually have a video. I'm not going to show it to you guys because it's you know, but I had videos of those. My kids teaching each other on how to do it. Which is crazy. All that to say, I know it's weird to lead, you know, to, to introduce a lesson on a Sunday morning with potty training. But all that to say, growing is something that happens over time. Right? It doesn't happen overnight. And our lesson series right now is on um, following Jesus. It is the same thing with following Jesus. This happens over time. Right? This is something that we do day in and day out, but you know, it, 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 we're not masters at it from day one. There are stages to following Jesus. 
Because following Jesus, if you look at it, because we've been looking at this pretty much for the whole year, right? Following Jesus has essentially two parts. It's obeying Jesus, doing what he has told us to do, right? Um, and also, the second part of that, and very crucial, equally important, is becoming like him, following in his footsteps. It has to be those two. When we say following Jesus, we have to think about those two things. Obedience and sanctification, being like Jesus. Why? Because everything that Jesus has told us to do, he's done. So when we follow him, when we do what he's doing, then we're actually doing what he's told us to do. That's why Jesus is the best leader that this world has ever and will ever know. Because we say that Jesus definitely leads us by example. Right? And so we attach that, when we look at, when we look at following Jesus in that light, we see that it's really discipleship that we're talking about. When we say following Jesus, we're talking about our own discipleship. Because discipleship is simply the process of becoming like Jesus, of following Jesus, becoming more and more like Him. And when we talk about it that way, we can equate that to our spiritual growth, to growing in, 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 in Jesus. And when we talk about that again, it's tied to time. It's a function of time. It's a function of practice. So this morning, that's what I'm going to talk to you about. I'm going to talk to you about the stages of following Jesus. This is very important because as we, as we talk about discipleship, as we talk about becoming more and more like Jesus, we need to understand what the end state, what do we, what, what does Jesus want us to become? We, we, he wants us to become like Him, to follow Him, to become mature in our faith, right? Like Jesus. But we also need to know where we are in that stage. Like, where am I? Like, am I here? Am I there? Like, because when we know where we are and where we need to go, then we can make the adjustments and we can help one another to get ourselves there. And that's why we're doing this. So what we're going to do to structure our lesson today is we are going to go to the Apostle John. We're going to get the cue from him, from our scripture reading this morning in First John. In First John chap- chapter 2, verses 12 to 14, uh, it was just read to us. The Apostle John is uh, addressing the, the church as children, fathers, and young men. Okay, I know in this particular um, context, it's hard to know if he means the actual children, fathers, or young men. But there's also there could be an argument that can be made that no, uh, John is talking about their spiritual state. You know, the stage of of their following Jesus, the stage of their discipleship. So they could be spiritual children, spiritual fathers, or spiritual parents, or spiritual men and women, spiritual young adults young men and women. Okay, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these three stages of our discipleship, our spiritual growth, or our following Jesus. And we're going to look at the spiritual child, the spiritual young adult, and the spiritual parent. Okay, but um, I want to say one thing first before we move, we continue on with spiritual children, the first one. Um, we're going to look at this in turn, and I want us to really keep in mind two things. First, we're going to do this not because we want to judge one another harshly, saying, oh, you're just a spiritual child, you know, you're just, you, you haven't grown, you're immature. 
That's not the point. One of the things that I want us to do is, number one, identify where we are in this progression. Okay, where we are in this progression. For our, we need to do so that we can be the mature disciples that Jesus wants us to be, who are making other disciples. Okay? Next, number two, we want to be cognizant of the people around us. Okay, not to judge them harshly, right? We want to, we want to know who the spiritual children are, the spiritual young adults, and the spiritual parents are, so we can know where we, where we can help each other. So we can know where, uh, where we can be there for one another so that we can encourage them and, 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 and pull them along with us if we're spiritual parents. And if you're a spiritual child, you will know what a spiritual parent is when you see them and you can muckle onto them and, and ask them for help so that we can all grow together in our congregation. And in that way, we can look at discipleship and disciple making as a congregation, not just as an individual or like a, like a, like a separate uh, thing that we do um, um, as, as, uh, as uh, you know, separate and apart from, from, from the whole. So we can really do discipleship together intentionally as a congregation. So let's start with the spiritual children. Um, children, as we know today, range in age. And you see that in the silhouette there, uh, from infants to toddlers to your young boys and girls to teenagers, right? But to us, we call them children because... In point of fact, they're really not mature yet. That's why they're called children. They're not mature. And, you know, I would say immature, but immature has like a negative connotation to them. But they're not mature, right? In, in those age ranges. But if you think about it, what does, what do children, uh, how do children differ from adults? Like, how would you describe children? Well, think about it. I'm just thinking about my own children. I was thinking about myself as well, right? When I was a kid and maybe even now as an adult. Sometimes I act as a child as well. Like, you know, children think that the world revolves around them. Right? Children think that you exist for their own entertainment. Sometimes children are so far removed from things that they think that um, food just appears in the fridge automatically. They would open the fridge and go, why is there no food here? It's weird. Right? They think they open the cupboards. Why, why are my snacks not here? I don't understand. Right? They are dependent on, on us. Even if they care, if, if they don't think that, they are highly dependent on us as parents. They, highly, they are highly dependent on, for, on others for food, for, uh, for safety, security, for love, for caring, for community. They're dependent. That's, that's, that's what, that's what, uh, that's what, that, that, that's what, that's what children are. And, and it's, it's, it's easy to see that because they are children, right? But what does the Bible say about spiritual children? Let's look at, um, Hebrews 5, 13 to 14. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So first and foremost, a child, a spiritual child is unskilled in the word of righteousness. And the reason is because they do not have what adults have. That is, they don't have the powers of discernment. And the reason why they don't have, they're not able to, dis- to discern well it's because they have not been trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, right? 
because they are really they they have yet to grow to, into that. So it's a function of time, right? Uh, next, in Ephesians chapter four verse fourteen, the apostle Paul adds um, as, as he talks about uh, spiritual growth and mat- growth and maturity. He says, "We are no longer to be children." Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So children, they're easily swayed. They are tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine because it's hard for them to discern. They do not have that skill yet. They have not been trained in that. Okay, so um, that means that it's it's easy for them to be swayed by popular opinion or from opinions from the people that they love and the people that they spend time with that's what that's a character of a spiritual child um, moving forward the apostle paul says in 1 corinthians 3 verses 1 to 3 brothers and sisters i could not address you as people who live by the spirit but as people who are still worldly mere infants in christ i gave you milk not solid food for you were not yet ready for it Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Now, there's a bit to unpack in this particular passage. The Apostle Paul, you can sense that he's a bit probably frustrated in the church, some of the people in Corinth, right? Because they're saying, he's saying, well, you're supposed to be adults now, but you're still not ready. You're still children. So for our physical children, you know, it's easy for us to be, um, I, I guess it's easier for us to be, uh, to, to work with them because we know that they're children, right? But sometimes spiritual children are sometimes hard to contend with because we don't know if they mean to do that. But we know that it's, it's, it's not easy as a spiritual child. It's frustrating to, 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 uh, to not know, right? It's frustrating. I know, J- uh, my, my, Jacob, Daniel, and Esther, my kids, sometimes they would come up to me and they would be crying. You know why? Because they can't turn on the light switch because they're too short. Or they can't open a bottle because they're not strong enough to open a bottle. Uh, recently, um, Esther would come up to me because she can't write the letter W. It's hard for her to write it. It always ends up becoming like a letter Z for some reason. She couldn't write the letter W because she still needs to work on it. But sometimes... Spiritual children among us would find that from this. Why do I, why, why am I holding this in my heart and not putting it away? Why am I not able to forgive? But sometimes the people around them, like, you know, are, are frustrated because they don't see that. Why are you not able to forgive? Right? So one of the things that I want us to do is be cognizant of this so that we can help each other along and not judge harshly because it's difficult. Right? It's difficult. We have our own struggles. And definitely spiritual children have their struggles. And we just need to be there for them and, and, and move them along. But in this passage, the Apostle Paul is saying this one word that, that, that is a characteristic of a spiritual child. Worldly. Right? Because it's hard to transition from being worldly to being spiritual. To being there. And let me just get one thing straight as well. A spiritual child is not necessarily a new convert in Christ. Somebody who just got baptized a year ago. For years that we have been attending church services, 
or the number of years that we have been a member of the church or a number of years that we have as our physical age, they are not necessarily good indicators of spiritual growth. We need to understand that because spiritual growth is a choice. It is something that we intend to do, something that we are intentional about. It's something that we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Okay, So that's why I think the Apostle Paul sounds a bit frustrated in this one. right? But I'm encouraging you, all of us, that sometimes it's frustrating to see that in others, but I'm encouraging all of us to be there for one another, even with, especially with, our, with the people who are spiritual children in our midst, because, there's, because they are more worldly than spiritual. They need more work in that. And because they are more worldly than spiritual, the selfishness is still there. They still think that the world maybe revolves around them. Or maybe uh, they, they, they want to address things in their life uh, easily by just fighting for it, by quarreling, or by resorting to jealousy. And that is not an easy thing to do, and it's not an easy thing to address. So what I'm, what I'm going to say now is this. So I don't know, sometimes... Um, it's very important for us to really be cognizant of the people around us. Okay? And to really identify in us where we are. I know that the stages of, um, of following Jesus that we have here looks like it's in one line. Like one day, uh, one year you are a spiritual ta- child and a few years later you're gonna be like a, a spiritual young adult and a few years later you're gonna be a spiritual parent. It's not as clear cut as that as we, we want to imagine. Like, I gotta be the first one to admit, right now I should be a spiritual parent, but I struggle with that still. I have to really be intentional about that. Sometimes I don't want to do it. Sometimes, Linda can tell you, sometimes I act like a spiritual child. I act very selfishly. Sometimes I, I, I think the world revolves around me. Right? We, we, we find ourselves in, in not, not just not stages, sometimes we find ourselves in, in seasons of spiritual growth. We could be very, very strong and, 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 uh, and, and really faithful this year, but next year something happens, we find ourselves becoming like a spiritual child. So we need to be cognizant of that, that we could fall into that easily, okay? As, as those who are just not experienced in the Word of God, okay? So how do we identify if we have been, if we are being spiritual children, or how we identify the spiritual children among us? So again, I'm going to say this not because we want to judge people harshly, but because we really want to honestly, out of love, identify who they are so that we know why they say what they say, why they do what they do, and so we can lead them along so that they can grow. So spiritual children look at church as like a shopping experience. They would look at the church and they would see, well, you know what, this church is good because this church serves my needs. Or this church is not good, so I'm going to go and look somewhere else. That's a spiritual child. A spiritual child also spends more time complaining than raising up their hands and saying, Hey, can I help out? Hey, can I fill a need? A spiritual child looks at the services in the congregation um, as, as for themselves. Right? Like, this is for me. This is something that I consume rather than being a part of the congregation and being part of the growth of everybody else 
in the congregation. And finally, a spiritual child could be someone who would not, who would, who would look at things and would not do or be involved in things because it's not comfortable for them, because it doesn't serve their purpose. Okay, so when we see those, we need to identify them in our hearts and help each other along. And like I said, it's not just for the new people in, in the congregation. It's for all of us because we could, we could be, I, I could be, I could be a spiritual child in, in many different ways. And when you see it, I expect you to help me along with that, to be patient with me or with you. Okay, so what do spiritual children need? Spiritual children definitely needs what Peter tells us here in, in 1 Peter 2 verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. They need the pure milk of the word. They need instruction. They need the word of God first and foremost. They need somebody to feed them that. Because as we know, infants, babies, they can't feed themselves. But we need to help them with that to see how the Word of God will apply in their lives so they can move from being worldly to being spiritual. And so they can navigate this life with Christ in the middle seat of their hearts. Next, Galatians 5.16. They need this. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And as we help the spiritual children amongst us, it's not just teaching them, right? It's just, it's not going to be, uh, we, we can't expect people to become disciples who are mature just by sitting down and listening to a sermon or sitting down and listening to a Bible study. Walking by the Spirit has to happen by example in relationships, right? Um, take, for example, a driving course. You know, when you're learning how to drive, you go to a classroom, right? But that's just a small part of the training, the classroom portion. You actually need to go out there and drive. When you're teaching somebody how to drive, you're there with them on, on the on the front on the on the passenger seat as you teach them how to drive. Okay? It's the same thing with walking by the spirit. Right? We need to teach them. If I want to teach my kids how to forgive, I need to show them how I forgive Linda. If I want to teach my children how to speak with love towards one another, towards their fellow siblings and, and, other, and other children. I need to show them by my example how I speak to them and how I speak to my wife. If I want them to be with the church, I need to be with the church first. Right? If I want them to grow in, as a Christian, I need to grow as a Christian first. It's best done by example in relationships. So that is what a spiritual child needs. And that's what we can provide for one another. Next is a spiritual young adult. A spiritual young adult, if we think about a young adult, says it all. You know, do you guys remember when you were in your 20s? You know, you're just starting up your career. Maybe you're done university. You're gung-ho about everything. Spiritual young adults are the same, right? They, They have matured. They have forgotten their childish ways. And they are now a mature person in Christ. They're an adult in Christ. Spiritual young men and women. 
Um, going back to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13.11, he says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. A spiritual young adult does, uh, no longer thinks that the world revolves around him or her. A spiritual young adult raises his hands and says, Where can I help? A spiritual young adult is the one who goes, Oh, there's a need in the church. Let me find out how I can fill that need. Let me find out how I can, how I can um, work, use my hands and my feet and my resources to be able to provide for that need. That's a spiritual young adult. And a spiritual young adult is always there, ready to learn, ready to go. Let's do this. They're gung-ho, right? Um, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 that's why in our script, in our scripture reading that was read to us today by Ryan, the apostle Paul, the apostle John writes, I write to you young men because why? Because you're strong. And the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. They know how to navigate this world. They know that when something bad happens at work or in, or in school or in, in the family, they have the word of God to guide them. They, and to Christ. To help them in any situation. They know how to do that. Okay? So that is a spiritual young adult. And some of you guys can identify that in yourselves. Because many of us, pretty much all of us have been there. We have helped people out. We have served other people. But the difference between a spiritual young adult and a parent is just one. Where am I going here now? It's just one. The difference between a spiritual young adult and a spiritual parent. And this is what a spiritual young adult needs. Or one of them that needs. They need to really bring in this idea and this thinking that they need to be in the mission of Jesus in the sense that they need to reproduce other disciples. Do you guys understand that? It's one thing to serve people and meet their needs. But there's another thing to serve people and meet their needs with the intention of seeing them grow in their faith in Christ. We can feed the poor and clothe the, the, the naked every, every, any day. But many organizations do that as well. But a Christian in the, in the church of the Lord would do this with the express intention of understanding that this person needs this. I can serve that need now. But I would like to also fill their eternal need for a savior. And so they seek to, uh, they will seek, the spiritual parent will seek to become that example for these individuals. Not just serving them, but serving as a good example and leading them to Christ. Okay. But before we go to the spiritual parents, I just want to say as well, spiritual young adults, they need to think that. They need to put that in their, in their, in their ministry bag so that their, their work in the, in, in, in the ministry, in the kingdom of God would be complete. But what they, but what spiritual young adults need as well are mentors. They need spiritual parents that would guide them as they develop and hone their skills, their talents. And what else they would need? They would need somebody with wisdom as to really um, identify their priorities in ministry because the spiritual young adults are gung-ho. 
right? They're the ones to burn out first. I've been there. I've done that. I've burnt out in my life at least three times, right? I need somebody to direct me because if 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 uh, if uh, young adults in their in their zeal, uh, it's it's not easy for them to see that. They need to be directed and 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 cautioned on how to proceed so that they can do it sustainably, not just for a season in their life and then they stop because they get burnt out. They need to do this continuously, keeping in mind their family, their work, and the other things that they have in their lives. And they also need relationships where they can practice the spiritual disciplines of a, of, of a disciple, where they can pray together, they can be encouraged, right? They can be held accountable because spiritual young adults... Even though they're so gung-ho, right? They get distracted too. And a community where there's a, a meaningful relationship, we can hold each other accountable in that regard. Okay? Now, a spiritual parent. Like I said, a spiritual parent, I love this. A spiritual father or mother is somebody who is, who is really thinking about reproducing other spiritual disciples. That is just really the difference between this and a young adult. They want to reproduce, as Jesus says, make disciples of all nations. That mission is number one in their minds. They do everything that they do in their life because they want to do that. Because they want to be intentional in doing that. Right? Um, the, apostle, the Apostle Paul in Colossians says, he is, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Look at this last thing there. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Look at that mindset. That's what a spiritual parent does. The Apostle Paul intends all of us to become fully mature in Christ. Not just a a select few. Not just for some families, but everyone. A spiritual parent is what scripture, what God through, through, through his word wants us to become. A spiritual parent. And I know sometimes it's like so far-fetched for, for men. I know it's far-fetched to me when I first heard this. But many of us are parents. We can start in our own families with our own children. Because the best discipling happens at home. That is probably the most important discipling that we can ever do for our lives today. It's at home. Right? We want to present our children, our spouse... Fully mature in Christ. And again, this happens in example, in relationship with one another as we do life together. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2, Paul writes to Timothy and, and, and says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. A spiritual parent is a faithful Christian who teaches others who imparts their wisdom and knowledge on how to do things, how they have over about helping others do that. Not just helping people, you know, because they, they, uh, because they, because they don't have food or they don't have money. We, they, they help for that for sure. That's, that's, that, that's, that's something that we can serve in. They can see the love of Christ in that. But they always go a step further to really understand how they can lead people to grow in Christ and to get to know Christ even more. Okay? 
And I love this passage from 1 Corinthians. How the Apostle Paul worded it. He writes, Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Let's stop there. The word guardians is taken, is translated from a Greek word that, you know, that closely resembles our, our English word, pedagogue. Pedagogical, you know, pedagogue. A pedagogue is a tutor. Back then, there are pedagogues. They're, they're, I think they're part of the slave trade. Pedagogues would literally be, um, uh, someone who would take the kids to school and from school and he would remain with the child as they do their homework. That's a pedagogue. That's a tutor. That's a guardian at that, back in the days of Paul. But he says, I am more than that to you, Corinthian church. He says, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. He says, I'm not just a tutor to you. I don't just take you to school and back. I am a spiritual parent to you. And this is what, this is a defining thing about spiritual parents. Look at this last line. A spiritual parent is intentional about being imitated. I urge you to imitate me. That's what we need to do for our kids. And I can just, that's the easiest way that I can explain this to you because many of us have children and many of us are children with parents. We want our parents to, to, to model spiritual maturity in front of us. And that's the best way that we can learn. But as a spiritual parent, we want to be that person who does things in our lives because we want people to see us. We want people to see the light of Jesus in our lives. They want to see the maturity emanating from us so they can reproduce it themselves as they see it in us. A spiritual parent is somebody who thinks about their own actions. And before they do it, they actually think, how is this going to affect other people? How is this going to affect my kids? How is this going to affect the people in the church? If I do this, if I post this on my, on my, on my, on my social media, if I like this or if I do this, if I say this, how is this going to affect people? That is what a spiritual parent does. A spiritual parent thinks about and is cognizant of everybody around them and knows the stage of life they are in. And they help in those stages so that they can be brought up to become a mature parent in Christ. That is what maturity looks like in the economy of Christ, in the, in, in the church of the Lord. When the Apostle Paul says, I want to present every Christian fully mature in Christ, that is what he meant. But spiritual, spiritual parents also need uh, certain things. They, they, need, they need fellow spiritual parents that they, can, that they can have a relationship with so they can be kept accountable. Because spiritual parents are not perfect. Spiritual parents can be spiritual children in some areas of their lives. They understand that. But they have been intentional about putting their lives in Christ, about building a relationship with Christ so that when they realize that they're being a spiritual child in some areas, they will switch their minds and work on that. They will put it at the foot of Christ and say, I'm a spiritual child in this area. Lord, please take it. Let me work on it so that I can be an example that I need to be to my children, to the church, to the people at work, to the people at school.
Okay? They need that accountability as well. Right? So, one last thing that I want to say. The stages of following Jesus is in front of us. Are you a spiritual child? Are you a spiritual young adult? Or are you a spiritual parent? In these stages, do you dip in and out of, of some of them? Do you find yourself sometimes a spiritual young adult? You just only want to serve and you fail to really take care of their spiritual need? Or are you a spiritual child where you think the world still revolves around you? Whatever it is, these are stages or, or seasons in our lives that we are in, when we find ourselves needing to grow in our week. Okay? This lesson is not to judge one another. This lesson is to, to identify where we are and so we can make the necessary adjustments and so that we can be cognizant of where we are as a congregation. So that I can look at my right and say, this person needs this and I will be there for them. Not to judge them harshly and not to push them away because they are being a spiritual child, but to help them along. And that will happen if we think about this. This is the last thing that I'm going to put up. I know I'm, I'm running out of time here, but we need to really put this at the forefront of our minds. Discipleship happens in relationship with one another. It doesn't happen in a teaching environment, like in a classroom environment. It cannot. The number one thing that we need to learn from Jesus, and if we learn this, we're going to be like Jesus, is love. He says that the greatest commandment is love, loving God and loving others. It is not something that we can teach in a, or in a classroom. This is best done in relationship with one another. As we do life together, as we kneel down and really spend time with our children, as we go to, as, as we spend time with one another and really be there for when people are hurting, when people are struggling, that is when we, we facilitate sanctification and growth in our congregation, in the individuals that we have, and in our individual members. So as we stand and sing, we're going to sing step by step. I want you to focus on that line, right? Um, there's a line there that talks about, I will, I will follow you like every day, or what were the words? Every day I will follow you. And let's focus on that at this time as we stand and sing. Mm-hmm.